There are two ways, actually, we know that the theme of our weekend, Arise, Shine, Jesus is Coming, is really true, because we know we have the great prophetic timeline, don't we? And that has been carried through from 1260-year prophecy that ended in 1798 and the 2300-year-day prophecy that ended in 1844. So far as time is concerned, it's time for Jesus to come. One other interesting thing is that it actually took Jesus just a few minutes to tell his disciples something very amazing. And that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at the great signs of the second coming of Christ. And uh, many of you are likely aware that the signs are being multiplied today. And this is, I like to say, we're seeing the real thing. Uh, it's incredible, really. Uh, and I'll, I'm going to put my computer up on the screen here so I can see it a little bit better and just tell you one other little point before I start. Uh, we've been talking about the second coming of Christ for many years. 150 years or more in the Adventist church alone. Is this true? But no one has ever waited 150 years. You only have your lifetime to wait. The one that's waited the longest is Jesus. Is this true? You understand. He's eager to come, of course. So we're certainly going to be happy about seeing what we're going to see very soon. I'm going to transition to get my computer up here, and then we'll get right into the topic. In the meantime, you guys can be finding the uh, the roots of our presentation is going to be Matthew 24, verse 3. Because of the limitations of time and the amount of material I want to share with you, I'm using PowerPoint to, to help because I'm going to go 100 miles an hour, and you're going to see a lot of stuff here. But let's first of all open our Bibles, and we're going to see something amazing. I want you to pretend like in your mind that you are sitting at the feet of Jesus, not myself, but Jesus today. And you're going to ask him the same questions that the disciples ask him. So we're going to go to Matthew 24 and just see this one as we begin. This is verse 3. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him. What's the next word? Privately. This was not a camp meeting. It was a private meeting between Jesus and disciples. And tell us, and this is interesting, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age or the end of the world, as King James says? It's very amazing that they recognized the, that the second coming and the end of this world were synonymous events. Nothing happens after that. The people that are left behind are all dead. Does everybody understand that part? But then Jesus goes about and gives them two chapters full of signs. Chapter 24 is the kind of signs I'm going to talk about today, signs that we would see about us in everyday life. And chapter 25 are signs in the church. But now we're going to look at the next part, verses 32 to 35. After telling them, by the way, how many signs did Jesus' disciples ask him for? Just one. But he gave them lots of them. And I've only chosen seven that I'll share with you today. But he said, now learn this parable. We're looking at Matthew 24, 32. From the fig tree, when its branches already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, all these things, know that it's near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation that sees all these things will by no means pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. So I'm going to put up here right away 
an interesting statement that Ellen White made in Acts of the Apostles, page 260. There are many in the world today who close their eyes to the evidences that Christ has given to warn men of his coming. They seek to quiet all apprehension while at the same time the signs of the end are rapidly fulfilling. And the world is hastening to the time when the Son of Man shall be revealed in the clouds of heaven. So we're going to look at seven signs. And these are the seven signs. If you decide to take notes, I'm going to show them one at a time so you'll be able to go through it. But I'll go through it real quickly. Signs in the political world around us, signs in the natural world, signs in the social world, signs in the financial world, decline of morality, Pope Francis and the Sunday agenda. We'll spend some time on that with events of this past week. And, of course, the gospel is going to all the world. Did you hear what I just said? The gospel is going to all the world right now. I'll share that with you more in detail. So signs of the political world. First of all, we're going to talk about wars and terrorism. Everybody probably understands that the Bible says in Matthew 24, there will be wars and rumors of wars. Nations will rise against nation, a kingdom against kingdom. What you may not know is this. Matthew, Mark, and Luke say that the big wars, when they come, will not be at the actual end. There will be time after that. But the end is not yet, Matthew 24 says. Mark says these are the beginning of sorrows. And Luke 21 says, but at the end will not come immediately. So I'm going to show you a couple of things now. The past century has been the bloodiest of all. Most of you were not born when this happened, but on August 6, 1945, the United States, with a specially equipped B-29 bomber called the Enola Gay, dropped a, an atomic bomb on Hiroshima in Japan. Over 100,000 people were killed in just a few seconds. By the way, that is a baby compared to what we have now. It's, a, it's really, really incredible. But I'll show you that modern estimates place the number of deaths from World War I and World War II at 69 million military and civilian personnel. Get the number in mind, because more people have been killed in the last hundred years than in all of other wars in Earth's history combined. This is incredible to understand. These are the big wars. In my book, Battle of the Spirits, I have a chapter called World War III. There could not be a World War III. Does everybody understand that? If we had a World War III with 60 nations involved, somebody would use nuclear weapons, somebody would follow it up with nuclear weapons, we would kill everybody on the Earth. It will not happen. We know it won't happen because Jesus said that's the beginning of sorrows. So I'm going to show you something now amazing. There'll be secret plotting to destroy life, destruction, misery, and death will be seen in every hand, suicide bombers, IDEs, and so on. Now here's the big problem. The collateral damages of war are horrendous. More than four million refugees have fled from Syria with only what they can carry. Now I want to know, you guys, most of you have fine homes here. What if you had to leave it with only what you could carry with no hope of ever seeing it again in your whole life? Here's a Syrian family refugee camp in Turkey. The circumstances are desperate. That's what the point is. We won't spend more time on that. Just understand it's one of the signs of the end. The second one is signs in the natural world. This is a picture of the big earthquake in Shanshan, China province. The most amazing thing about that particular earthquake was that it happened in daytime when children were in school. You love all these precious kids that were just up here? This is amazing. More than 2,000 children were killed in that earthquake. Most of them were the only child of their parents, as you know what happens in China. Now, this is amazing to understand. The big earth, the earthquake in Haiti, a million people were left homeless, 250,000 homes destroyed in Haiti, 30,000 commercial buildings, Chile, South America, huge earthquake there. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these. Most of you know that the big 9.0 earthquake, by the way, there has never, ever been a 10-point on the Earth's history because you understand that they are magnified many times over with each level. 
But this one was so huge that there was a tsunami afterward, and people caught these things on their cell phones with huge waves coming in, washing people's houses and cars away. Just incredible. Are you aware that just this past week the, there were many earthquakes? I have an earthquake app on my phone, and it's just amazing how many earthquakes. But just in recent days, the Nepal earthquake in April of this year, 7.8, it was very destructive because it was not deep into the earth. Over 5,000 deaths reported. Chile just last week had an 8.3 earthquake. We don't know the number of deaths yet. Indonesia, Papua region of Indonesia, just yes, two days ago, 6.9 earthquake. Super Typhoon Haiyan tears Philippines apart in November 11, 2013. The reason I mention one that's two years old is because it was the most powerful storm to reach land in the history of Earth. Just incredible stuff. This was the big tornado that came through Tuscaloosa, Alabama, killed many, many people, as you remember. I was actually in Washington, D.C. when the earthquake came up there, a 5.8 earthquake. This is the National Cathedral, which some of the spires were toppled. You see the picture of it there. The Washington Monument, big cracks came in it, and it was, a, it was closed for two years because it had to be repaired to make it safe again. This is a cell phone picture of the F5 tornado bearing down in Moore, Oklahoma in 2013. Can you imagine being the person that took this picture? This is just incredible when you see all the things that are happening there. This is the school entrance of the teacher's cars turned upside down and so on. So I'm going to show you one other little statement. This one is from Review and Herald, May 21. Important events are about to take place while the world is asking in scorn, where is the promise of his coming? The signs are rapidly fulfilling. Where men are crying peace and safety, sudden destruction is coming. The Spirit of God is being withdrawn from the earth, and calamity is following calamity by land and sea. Now look at the next statement that I've underlined. By the way, you're likely aware Ellen White never underlined anything in her writings. I did in my books a lot, as you may know. But here's one I underlined for her. Tempests and earthquakes, fires and floods are heard of on every hand. Only in God can security be found. So we know this year the western wildfires have burned over hundreds of square miles of land and reduced entire neighborhoods to ashes. The cost to fight the fire has been over $2 million a week. Five firefighters have been killed. Over 9 million acres have burned so far, and the fires aren't out yet. Signs in the social world. Now, you've probably never seen this as one of the signs, but I'm going to go down through it real quickly. This is 2 Timothy, the third chapter, 1 to 7, because it's a cross-section of the way people will behave at the end. And if there's any one of these that's not fulfilled, I'm going to show you 22 of them. You say, oh, that one hasn't been fulfilled yet. I will tell you they're all being fulfilled. Society is changing when people aren't kind to one another anymore. So you talk about lovers of themselves. How would we say that? Selfish, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, and King James says without natural affection, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, you guys understand brutal? In war, instead of just killing someone, you chop their head off on TV and then drag them around by their feet through town laughing. Do you guys understand brutal? This is brutal. Despisers of good, traitors. By the way, despisers of good, I showed you last night the picture of Kim Davis who stood up for her beliefs about marriage from the biblical perspective. On the internet, she's been called a bigot because she believes the scriptures. Traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its, I would add, transforming power, making captives of women, think of prostitution, think of rape, think of slavery, led away by various lusts, think of all the addictions that we're having in the world today, always learning and never able to come to the truth. So we have a better educated society in America than we've ever had before, but we're farther from the truth probably than ever. 
So this is incredible. Signs in the financial world. We're going really quickly through these because I only have five more minutes according to the bulletin. But just <laughs> kidding. I'm going to give you the message, brother. Okay, the signs in the financial world. This is agents take Bear Stearns executive into custody. Now, Bear Stearns was a financial institution. Now, you understand that the great crash in America, 2008, 9, and 10, was caused by the banks giving risky loans to people they knew couldn't pay them back. Am I telling you the truth about this? It is absolutely true. Now, listen carefully. What the government did to fix it was to pay back the banks. That's crazy. And by the way, for one thing for sure, I will tell you this. The problem has not been fixed. It's like putting a bandaid over a big wound. Do you understand? Things are going to get very worse in the future. Here's uh, uh, Bernie Madoff. By the way, why wouldn't you trust this man? Because he had been the director of the, uh, the Securities and Exchange Commission of the United States, you know, monitoring the, the stock market and all of that. But he took 5,000 clients' money and defrauded them of $65 billion. This is the only man that's been prosecuted for money stuff. None of the bank executives have. But he actually went to prison for the rest of his life. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this except to tell you that in 2008, the average income from an average person working 40 hours a week, $31,600. If you're a professional person, you make $100,000. And a professional person could make $4 million in his life, 40 years income for a professional person. Now listen carefully to what we're talking about at the end time. $40 million is an annual bonus for bankers on Wall Street, which is 10 times the lifetime income of a professional person given to a banker in one year. And this one I'm not going to read, but James, the fifth chapter, talks about this kind of thing happening as a sign of the end. The national debt grows so fast you cannot keep up with it. It grows by $2.89 billion every day. Currently, it's $18,397,000,000,000. It's under over $400 billion now. Whole countries are at the point of bankruptcy. Even American cities like Detroit have filed for bankruptcy protection. I just learned this week that Chicago is proposing raising property taxes to avert bankruptcy there. In the news this week on September 23. Puerto Rico, which is a U.S. territory, is near economic collapse and cannot pay its $72 billion in debts. A record 64,000 people left the island of Puerto Rico in 2014. 49,000 had already left in 2013 for the U.S. mainland to escape the coming economic troubles of Puerto Rico. If you were to visit Puerto Rico today, 22% of all the housing units are empty in Puerto Rico. Incredible. Credit card debt is now $801 billion. This means the amount that's carried over from month to month that people pay interest on at huge rates. Incredible. Another one is in the years 2009, 10, and 11, nearly 12 million household families lost their homes to foreclosure. A big one, student loan debt has now passed $1 trillion. Plus, there's another $150 billion in private student banks. Tom Harkin, senator, U.S. senator, said this debt has almost reached the tipping point and could be the next mortgage crisis. Why don't you just declare bankruptcy? Because student loans are not dischargeable in bankruptcy if they're government-backed. In addition to that, it's amazing. If you have a student-backed government loan, the only way to get out from under the obligation, there's two of them. One of them is to pay it off, and guess what the other one is? To die. Okay, we're not going to spend a lot more time on that one. The decline of morality. Most of you realize that June 26, 2015 was a very sad day for America and the state of Tennessee. The U.S. Supreme Court issued its ruling in the Obergefell versus Hodges case out of Ohio. It was a 5-4 decision, which is, of course, a split decision. Majority said that the Constitution guarantees the right to same-sex marriage. 
Now, this is kind of an interesting thing because this, there's no appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court. It's the court of last jurisdiction, the highest jurisdiction in America. Right up here, you see that's the U.S. Supreme Court right in the apex of that triangle. I'm going to show you a picture of that. The next picture I'll show you is a picture of Moses with the Ten Commandments. Really, really, really incredible. Anyway, the decision accelerated America's down the slippery slope to total disregard for God and his word. We may now have to change the inscription on our coins and our pledge of allegiance to the flag because it is now clear that we do not trust in God, neither are we one nation under God. God had nothing to do with this decision. So there it is, Moses with the Ten Commandments on the U.S. Supreme Court. And just the other day uh, on uh, Thursday when the Pope was speaking before Congress, notice what is inscribed in the marble right above where the speaker and the vice president are sitting, in God we trust. So by order of the President Obama, the White House, the People's House was illuminated with the rainbow colors of the gay rights movement on June 26 to celebrate the U.S. Supreme Court's decision forcing same-sex marriage on all 50 states. Obama stated that we have now made the union a little more perfect. Now here's something that's a backlash. Franklin Graham, most of you know of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association just over the mountains from us in Asheville, responded to the Obergefell Supreme Court decision by saying this, sin not only reigns but is now celebrated. And I'm going to read this little paragraph so you can see what's going on. Two weeks ago, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that same-sex marriage is legal in all 50 states. This is a defining moment for our nation. Long before our government came into existence, marriage was created by Almighty God. And Jesus said, from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall, what? Leave his father and mother and hold to his wife. Very interesting. The court did not define marriage. This is Bill, uh, Franklin Graham again. And therefore, it is not entitled to redefine it. It seems as though immorality not only reigns in America, but is now celebrated. Now, here's his conclusion. There is no hope for our nation from any political party. Republican, Democrat, Tea Party, Independent, or any other. Our only hope is for, uh, for America is God. By the way, when I did the research for Sunday's coming and I found out something amazing, one of three things will trigger the National Sunday Law, and that is a financial crisis, a natural disaster, or a moral crisis. Welcome to the end times. We have them all today. Franklin Graham concludes his article. I'm on his mailing list, and he said, he plans a Decision America tour to visit all 50 states next year to call the people of America to prayer and repentance. So just some of the signs. This one is kind of interesting to me. The mayor of Houston, Texas, Anise Parker, she's on the, in the pink, and her wife, Kathy Hubbard, celebrate the Supreme Court's decision. So you understand that when you have a Supreme Court decision, the dissenting opinions do not count. But in this particular case, Chief Justice uh, John Roberts, the, uh, who was one of the dissenters, Anthony Scalia, uh, the other two also, all of them made verbal and written dissents. And Chief Justice Roberts stated, you can celebrate the avail availability of new benefits, but do not celebrate the Constitution. It had nothing to do with it. People of faith can take no comfort in the treatment they receive from the majority today. Scalia stated the Supreme Court has become a threat to American democracy. This decision robs the people of the most important liberty, the freedom to govern themselves. We the people. By the way, it is very interesting to understand that more than 280 million people have voted in states not to have same-sex marriage, and one person unelected, that means one Supreme Court justice had voted the other way, it would have changed, do you understand, made the decision for all the people of America. This is a sad day, a very, very sad day. And as a result of that, this lady has gone to jail. 
Rowan County, Kentucky court clerk Kim Davis refused to grant gay marriage license to the same-sex couples based on her religious convictions that marriage is between one man and one woman. So she spent six days in jail because she was ruled to be in contempt of court. Now, I would just mention this last night, and I don't want to have a lot of things from last night in today, but I will just tell you this. When this lady violated a decision of the U.S. Supreme Court, she became in contempt of court and went to jail. Everybody understand that part? When the U.S. Supreme Court, listen, I didn't say if, when the U.S. Supreme Court ratifies the Sunday law and you don't follow it, what could happen? You could go to jail. Very simple. Okay, Pope Francis and the Sunday agenda. Now, some people came up afterward last evening and asked me some questions about the Jesuits, and I just want to show you a few things here before I get into what I really put here, and I want you to see this. This is interesting because when Pope Benedict came to the United States and was on the grounds of the Capitol building, Speaker of the House of Representatives Nancy Pelosi, she was the Speaker of the House of Representatives at that time, kissed the Pope's ring, and George Bush, her husband Paul, Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice, and President Bush look on. Now, do you understand what position this, the uh, Speaker of the House has? If the President dies and the Vice President is not able to serve as the President, who gets the next shot? This person, the highest person, third person in ranking in America. Here's another one, Leon Panetta. Most of you know the name because he'd been in Washington a long time. Son of Italian immigrants, graduated from Santa Clara University, college and law school, both Jesuit-affiliated universities. He taught there for eight years. He was confirmed on February 12, 2009 as the director of the CIA, knows all the secrets of America, later as Secretary of Defense. Now here is this man, while Secretary of Defense, was Leon Panetta, the leader of the world's largest military, met Pope Francis in, excuse me, Pope Benedict in the Vatican and kissed his ring. This is incredible, while he was Secretary of Defense. Now last night I showed you that six of the nine US Supreme Court justices are Roman Catholic. Somebody asked me, why are there so many Roman Catholics in the Supreme Court? So we know that there are 20% of the, the uh, population of America are Roman Catholic. So how many should that be in the Supreme Court? 20%, right, which would be two at the most. Now this is interesting, why are there six, why is there 66%? And I'm gonna tell you the plain out answer is very simple. The Roman Catholic Church has 28 affiliated accredited law schools in the United States. Did you hear the number? 28. 14 of them are run by Jesuits. Georgetown University, Boston College, Gonzaga, those kind of schools. And they're training people to take over the government of America. That's the simple bottom line facts. You understand what we're talking about here. Do you believe I'm telling you the truth about this? It is the bottom line facts. Look it up on the internet. Former, President, former British Prime Minister Tony Blair, who was at the time he was Prime Minister, the head of the Church of England, as soon as he left the office, he converted to Catholicism. A lot of people don't realize what's happening in America. Opus Dei is not an order of the Catholic Church like the Dominicans, the Franciscans, and so on, but it is a personal prelature of the Pope as one of its main goals to proselytize among the elite of society and government. The theory being, if you can win the king, you can win the people. So this guy pictured here is the Reverend John McCluskey, a Catholic Church's K Street lobbyist. He's an Ivy Leaguer who graduated from Columbia University and a former Wall Streeter who worked at Citibank and Merrill Lynch. Now this man used to be the United States Senator from Kansas. He's U.S. Senator Sam Brownbach, former United, States, United Methodist, was converted by John McCloskey, this Opus Dei guy, and joined the Catholic Church on June 27, 2004. He's now the governor of the state of Kansas. Many of you know that, new, that uh, Jeb Bush is running for president of the United States. 
When he lived in Florida and ran the first time to become the governor of Florida, he was handily beaten by a person named Lawton Childs. Anybody of you know about politics, you understand that. It's kind of a bummer when you spend a lot of time and a lot of money and you lose. Someone told him, if you expect to get elected in this state, you're going to have to either become a Roman Catholic or get supported by them. So on Easter Sunday following Jeb Bush became a Roman Catholic, then, was, then he was elected to be the governor of Florida for two terms. That's why he's a Roman Catholic. Newt Gingrich, former Speaker of the House of Representatives, former Baptist from Georgia, converted to Roman Catholicism by Opus Dei, March 29, 2009. And it's also very interesting, Bobby Jindal, governor of Louisiana, is Indian, born and raised Hindu. He's now a Roman Catholic. It's interesting stuff. Uh, what I'm going to tell you now is we're just going to go really fast through this. Uh, this is Raul Castro with the president. The president on the phone speaking with Cuban president Raul Castro, who's Fidel's brother, on Tuesday, December 16 of this last year to finalize plans to normalize relations between Cuba and the U.S. Does anybody know what has changed in Cuba? The right word is nothing. It's still a communist dictatorship. But why did it happen? The answer is Pope Francis played a key role in finalizing the deal to open relations between the United States and Cuba for the first time 53 years, President Obama said. Aside from President Obama and the Cuban president, the pontiff was the only other foreign leader directly involved with the talks. So many of you are probably not aware that when the Pope spoke to Congress this past on Thursday, something similar had happened in Europe already. So I'll show you that. In Strasbourg, France, the Pope Francis is welcomed at the meeting of the European Parliament on November 25, 2014. Remember, the European Parliament oversees the work of 28 European countries representing 500 million people, which is bigger population than the whole United States. And this is Pope Francis speaking to the European Parliament. It has never, ever happened before. So I had the interesting opportunity when I was at Spokane, the ASI convention, just uh, in, in early August. And uh, to be real honest with you, the meals were quite expensive. They're like $30 a shot. So Kathy and I just bought two of them. And the main reason we did is just so we could fellowship with people. Because when you go in, you don't know who you're going to sit with. There's nine people around a table. And on the meal that we bought, we came in and we were ushered through. It's hardly any way. You just keep walking. You get your food. And they tell you where to sit. We sat. There's only four of us together, so five other people that I had never seen before in my life sat beside us. The man beside me asked me a question, what do you do? I said, well, I'm a pastor and I'm an attorney. And he says, well, I'm an attorney too, but I live in Germany. And my wife is born and raised in Germany and I practice international law in Germany. And then he gave me this brochure that I'm holding in my hand right here. And it's very interesting. I believe it was a divine appointment. He said, are you aware that the Roman Catholic Church has pushed through a national Sunday law in Germany? Germany now has a national Sunday law. Most of you are likely aware of that. And they're also doing something else because in 2017, it will be 500 years since Martin Luther nailed the 95 Theses on the church door of Wittenberg, Germany. And they, the Catholic Church is hoping to refurbish that church and take all vestiges of Martin Luther out of the church in time for the 500-year celebration. Very, very interesting. Pope Francis was featured for an entire hour on CBS 60 Minutes with Scott Pelley on Sunday in December of 2014. Here's the Obamas welcoming the Pope off of Shepherd One, this specially equipped plane from Air Italia. This is Andrews Air Force Base. We won't spend a lot of time on this because I showed some of these to you last night. The Obamas with Pope Francis at the White House, the Pope Mobile, the little Fiat car, speaking to the U.S. Congress. Very, very interesting stuff. And this one is one of the most amazing pictures because he's up on the balcony of the, of the U.S. Capitol speaking out to him, some thousands of people that are out there. 
and then coming into the United Nations. I told you last night that the United Nations voted just a few days ago to allow the papal flag to fly, not just on the occasion of the papal visit, but from now on at all of the UN facilities around the world. And the papal flag, of course, has the triple crown of the Pope and the keys of the kingdom on it, and so on. Now, why is this happening? The real interesting thing is that people seem to feel like that the Roman Catholic Church has nine lives. Notice this some time ago, this is Newsweek magazine, April 5, 2010, called The Bad Shepherd, an article with Pope Benedict featured. More than 10,000 American children have been sexually abused by 4,400 priests. This was not an isolated incident in New England. Listen carefully. All 172 Roman Catholic dioceses in the United States have had multiple cases of pedophile. It's incredible. And then the Roman Catholic Church has paid more than $2 billion in U.S. dollars in fines and restitution just in the United States alone. Now this is interesting. This is another Newsweek article, uh, March 29, 2010. Save the children. Benedict and company need to do penance. Cardinal Bernard Law of the Boston Archdiocese finally resigned after more than 500 cases of pedophilia service in his area. But instead of going to jail, he was brought back to Rome where he has a $12,000 a month job and lives in a palatial apartment. Really incredible. The man here is the former uh, head of the Anglican Church, former Archbishop of Canterbury, Dr. Rowan Williams. He stated the Irish Catholic Church has lost all credibility because in response to the Ryan Report, who was a senator from the country of uh, Ireland, stated after a nine-year study by the Irish government that the, on the systematic and endemic abuse of, listen carefully, thousands of children in Ireland that were in the custody of religious leaders in Ireland. It's incredible. So Ellen White noted this, the sins of Babylon will be laid open. The fearful results of enforcing the observances of the church by civil authority, the inroads of spiritualism, the stealthy but rapid progress of the papal power, all will be unmasked. By these solemn warnings, the people will be stirred. Thousands upon thousands will listen to have never heard words like these. In amazement, they hear the testimony that Babylon is the church, fallen because of her errors and sins. Well, there's much more. I showed you last night about the tremendous personality change of the Pope. Hardly ever was in public while he was in Argentina, hardly ever caught smiling. And now you see how he used to be and how he is today. He says he had a mystical experience. So I'm going to tell you just three real quick things about the Pope and Sunday situation, because the best one is the last one, and it's coming. That is, the gospel is going to all the world. On July 5, 2014, Pope Francis stated that keeping stores open on Sunday is not beneficial to society. He said that the priority should not be economic, but human. It's time to ask ourselves if working on Sundays is true freedom. Almost every time this person speaks in public, he's talking about Sunday. Here was his Wednesday uh, audience in, in, uh, at the Vatican on August 2012 of this year, just uh, six weeks ago. He said obsession with economic profit and technical efficiency puts the human rhythms of life at risk. Moments of rest, especially on Sunday, are sacred because in them we find God. The Sunday Eucharist brings our celebrations uh, to our celebrations, every grace of Jesus, and so on. This is the Pope's latest encyclical, Laudato Se, which is the Latin term meaning praise to be to you. He's talking about all of the problems in the world, and he says one of the solutions, the bottom paragraph, on Sunday our participation in the Eucharist or the Mass has special importance. Sunday, like the Jewish Sabbath, is meant to be a day which heals our relationship with God, with ourselves, with others, and with the world. And so the day of rest centered on the Eucharist or the Mass sheds light on the whole week, motivates us to greater concern for nature and the poor, which were the great concerns brought out in this one. So I'm just going to 
review these quickly. These are when the Pope invited 60 civil mayors from countries around the world to come and uh, honor him there. Now, I'm going to show you this one, then we're going to look at the last one. It's very amazing. When Protestantism shall stretch out her hand across the gulf to grasp the hand of the Roman power. When she, did I show you last night our Protestantism is already doing that? Very interesting stuff. When she shall reach across the abyss of class hands with spiritualism, when under the influence of the threefold union, our country shall repudiate every principle of this Constitution as a Protestant and Republican government and shall make provision for the propagation of papal falsehoods and delusions. Then we may know that the time has come for the marvelous working of Satan and that the end is near. So the, the best one is the gospel is going to all the world. I love this. We're going to go through it very quickly, but I think you'll appreciate seeing it. By the way, I want you to understand that Matthew 24, 14 does not say what some people think it says. It says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. It doesn't say when you guys get the work finished, I'll come back. It says it's going to happen. That's what it says. Do you understand? So we have just recently, bat we, we borrowed the conference baptistry to take it to North Knoxville because we baptized a lady whose first introduction to the Adventist church was the Hope Channel in her house. And she was so excited, she came to the Adventist church and asked, would it be okay if I worship with you guys today? And we did a series of Bible studies with her, and she was baptized just recently. 3ABN, we have two people that were just come last year, both have been baptized since. Men from different walks of life have been baptized. I want to tell you something amazing about Adventist World Radio. I work part-time with Adventist World Radio, and I will just tell you that these things are incredible, but I'm going to only tell you one story. Adventist World Radio is taking the gospel to the most difficult to reach places in all the world, 70 languages by, by a shortwave radio, primarily from our flagship island uh, station on the island of Guam. Some of you have been there and seen that. But 100,000 watts of shortwave power taking the gospel message out. We're also in FM in large cities and AM and so on. But listen, five years ago, to keep up with the times, we decided to do another thing, and that is to digitize all of the 30-minute programs that we've created over the years and put them on the internet so they can be downloaded to smartphones and iPads and so on. And so since that happened at general conference time in July of this year, we were having 30-minute downloads off of the internet at the rate of 128 every second, which means that there are 11 million a day. And the most downloaded languages from our website, by the way, when you go on awr.org, it will say which language you prefer. You can choose one of 100 languages, not just English, not just Spanish, 100 languages. And the interesting part about it, the most downloaded language is Mandarin Chinese, but the second one is Arabic which means that the people that live in the Arabic republics or the, the Islamic republics, 24 of them, which will not allow us to preach, are downloading the Adventist message in half-hour segments by the millions every day. The gospel is going to all the world. It's incredible when you see it. Many other groups and individuals are work. It is written, Voice of Prophecy, Laveau's Amazing Fast Gospel Outreach. Kathy and I pray for these every day. It's a long list that we pray for. ASI, Maranatha, Supporting Ministries, and so on. 100,000 Seventh-day Adventist congregations without a church building, 4,000 new congregations every year. And of course, I'm talking about the, the uh, one-day church. Our little North Knoxville church has already sponsored seven one-day churches. And we keep, uh, uh, that's one of our line items in our budget, because every time we get the money, we send it off to Maranatha. In 2014, that is last year, the Adventist church baptized 1.1 million people or an average of 3,197 new members every day of the week for an entire year. That is 22,000 new baptisms or new members every Sabbath. We cannot build churches fast enough for these people to come in. 
It's also interesting the general conference was organized. Have you guys ever heard the expression, a glass is half full or half empty? Well, people, you know, the pessimists are talking about the emptiness. I'm talking about the fullness because here's what's happening. The general conference of our church was organized in 1863 in Michigan with 3,500 members. The world population at that time was 1.2 billion. So what happens is for every Adventist member then, there were 342,000 people in the general population that weren't Adventists for each member. Today in 2015, 152 years later, there are 18.5 million Seventh-day Adventists with a global population of 7.2 billion people living on the earth. But now the ratio is one Adventist for every 392 people living on the general population of the earth. This is incredible. Somebody should say amen to that. We're making progress. The current ratio is 874 times better than it was in 1863. So there's your brothers and sisters, my friends, from every kindred, tongue, and nation. People are joining our church by the thousands every day. By the way, that picture is also interesting because it was reported in USA Today that the Seventh-day Adventist Church is the most culturally diverse church in the world. And that's the way it should be. So you say all these things are happening, but how could Jesus really come soon? And I'm going to show you now something amazing in my last few slides that you'll be able to see. By the way, God himself has taken responsibility for taking the gospel to the whole world. He says in Romans 9:28, for he, speaking of God, will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness because the Lord will make a short work on the earth. The time of trouble will be cut short for the elect's sake. Now I'm going to show you first selected messages, 118. When divine power is combined with human effort, the work will spread like fire in the stubble. God will employ agencies whose origin men will be unable to discern. Angels will do a work for which men might have had the blessing of accomplishing had they not neglected to answer the claims of God. So, I have a photocopy of a letter I got from the General Conference, the Adventist World Radio. I'm going to read you this one short experience so you'll understand. A Seventh-day Adventist pastor was asked to come to a home in a city where Christians were being persecuted by Islamic people. When he arrived at the home, he discovered to his amazement that he had been invited to the home of a Muslim imam. He was immediately fearful for his life, was impressed to knock at the door anyway. He was invited in only to discover that not only was the man, the imam, in the home, but 30 other Muslims were there as well. Of course, now he was really nervous. And then the amazing question came from the lips of the imam, can you baptize us in a secret place? After collecting his thoughts, the pastor blurted out, but wait, how do I know you're ready? Anybody who's ever been a Bible worker or worked in evangelism knows you clear people on all the topics, make sure they understand it clearly. To which the imam applied very seriously with sacred awe. He says, for several months an angel has come each evening and instructed me in the teaching of the Bible. The imam then in turn had taught the 30 men who were in the room. And when the pastor quizzed them, it was discovered that they all knew the Adventist message backwards and forwards. And he baptized them all. Amazing stuff is happening. Two more statements. Let me tell you that the Lord will work this last work in a manner that's very much out of the common order of things and in a way that's very contrary to any human planning. God will use ways and means to which it will be seen that he's taking the reins in his own hands, or the steering wheel, if you please. The workers will be surprised by the simple means that he will use to bring about and perfect his work of righteousness. And that's from uh, Evangelism, page 118. This, this one, to me, is really, really amazing. This one is from the 1888 material, 754-755. There will be an accumulation of divine agencies to do what? 
combine with human effort that there will be an accomplishment of a work for the last time. The work will be most assuredly be cut short in a most unexpected manner. There will be thousands converted to the truth in a day who at the 11th hour see and acknowledge the truth and the movements of the Spirit of God. The accession to the truth will be of such rapidity which will surprise the church. God's name alone will be glorified. Finite man will wonder and awe, adore. Well, I'm just going to go really quickly to this one. Why did Jesus give so many signs for our benefit and for the benefit of witnessing? Someday soon, the eastern skies will open up and we're going to see this happening. If you were up early like I was this morning with a walk, we saw the sun coming up through the clouds. Very, very pretty. My wife even sent me a picture on a text message of that. Jesus is coming soon, my friends. This is not just thin air we're talking about. We're seeing the real stuff now. And so what I'm going to tell you, I want to encourage everybody to do what I talked to you about last night, to really do your own personal devotions with your spouse or your family on a regular basis to grow spiritually, commit yourself to God, make a prayer a matter of course in your life. Well, I'm going to talk about that more in the afternoon session, but we're going to talk about dare to be like Daniel. Would you be willing to go to prison or to live your life, lay down your life for Jesus and his commandments? That's the big question. You may be called to do that. Will you want to be ready or you want to cop out? You get the idea? How many want to be ready? Let's just do that. Okay, we'll power our heads and have our benediction. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your love and blessing to each of us. And we thank you for the commitment we've made today to be faithful to you and to be ready when you come again. We implore you to send your spirit to guide us in our lives. Help us to be faithful. We pray that you'll help us to be positive witnesses for you to those that we encounter each day as well. Bless our families and bless our churches. Bless the fellowship that we enjoy here. And we pray that you'll bless the meetings that follow today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.